0: Agent for the Orchestra, by M. M. Genet. Chapter 24 Yvonne could hear her own calm, clear voice say, "'You have my full attention.' She could hear herself say it as if she were outside of her body. No, 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 she told herself. Out-of-body sensations are the first sign of shock. Pull it together. Our very lives depend on it. She forced every inch of her body to remain still. She controlled her breathing. She stared at Devox's violin and bow, studied it. A calm washed over her as she asked, Please explain to me exactly what is it that we can help you with? Yvonne reminded herself not to underestimate the child before her. It was no child. It was the most lethal killer in the entire universe, maybe the most lethal of all time in any universe. To treat the entity before her as a child would be her undoing. I'm willing to negotiate... Devok offered, despite what you might think, or what you may have heard from others, more experienced field agents, I can be reasonable. After all, I'm not a monster. Yvonne put on her most polite smile. Liar, she thought. Instead, she said, what do I have to do to get all three of us out of here alive? All three? Devoc smiled. Ha. Huh. Well, now that wouldn't be any fun at all. From the corner of her eye, Yvonne could see Jack twisting his ankles in the bundle of strings. Her mind desperately wanted to think through how he was preventing himself from shape-shifting, but she willed herself to focus on Devoc and the situation at hand. A low growl rumbled in Jack's throat. Release Françoise. She's an innocent and has no part of this. Release her, and then we can negotiate. Devak snarled at Yvonne. Keep your minion silent and on a leash, or I will silence him for you. He turned to Jack. And as for your request, Devak grabbed Francoise by the wrist and threw her in Madame Ghiblai's desk chair. He drew his bow across his violin strings as Yvonne and Jack watched her entire body stiffen and tighten. Her expression was that of terror and pain as her eyes stared into the light dangling from the ceiling. Devak raised his bow, and Francois seemed to relax slightly, although her eyes were still fixed to some far-off place as if she were entranced. His glare transferred to Jack. I've heard the rumors about you. Even an inch of movement from you and your innocent will be dead. Are we clear? Let a real agent speak for you. He turned to Yvonne. Where is the Rite of Spring? Ivan became intensely aware of the handwritten document tucked away between her breasts. I have <clears throat> discovered its location. I will happily trade it for our lives. Do you agree? That's it, Ivan. she told herself. Cut to the chase. Take control of the situation. Oh, I am very well aware that you will give me what I want to save the lives of your friends. Alas, I wouldn't have stayed alive for all this time if I hadn't learned to want more out of life. More? Ivan asked. That's what I said. Pay attention, sneered Devak. Well, I'm curious about that, Ivan said, feeling her heart pound in her chest as she took the risk saying it. How is it that you manage to control jazz elements with such mastery when the vows you've made to the classical laws of the orchestra cannot be broken? Her intention was to stroke his ego and distract him. Had it worked? Dvok gave her a slight smile and tapped his index finger on the scroll of the violin. Now, there's one a field agent has never asked me, particularly in your situation ivan tried not to think of all the stories she had heard about murdered agents she refused to let her head do the math instead she held her breath and waited for his answer have you ever heard of chaos theory devak asked hmm it's a physics concept if i remember correctly said ivan yes it's also become the way i've defined my entire existence explained devak once one takes their vows of classical adherence, they can't be broken. But what if one can also see the order in jazz? What if I can see and apply things where others cannot? Classical order in jazz chaos, Ivan confirmed. Precisely, Tafak answered, waving his bow in the air. He continued to explain the finer points of his epiphany, but Ivan didn't hear any of it. Instead, her mind looked for weaknesses in Devoc's setup. Exactly how quickly could Jack change shape? Was it fast enough to overtake Devoc? A paper thin idea floated delicately before her. I would like to start the negotiations, she interrupted. Really? A crescendo is needed? Devoc teased. "'I do believe that you have a hostage,' she motioned carefully in the direction of Francoise. "'And you have a field agent with whom you wish to direct your questions.' She placed her hand on her own chest. "'Your only potential threat,' besides me, of course, "'is Jack.' Devot gave Jack a sideways glance with his coal black eyes. "'The shifter, yes.' In all of my travels, I admit, I've never fully tested to see if a griffin is a formidable foe. Yvonne noticed the seams of Jack's sweater straining. A vein in his neck was bulging, and she surmised the struggle to contain his protective metamorphosis was becoming increasingly difficult. Jack stared Vok directly in the eye. His fist clenched, his breathing difficult but controlled. Duvac must have noticed it, too, because he positioned himself behind Francoise and the desk before nodding. I agree to your terms in exchange for one thing. Yvonne felt her pulse quicken. She closed her eyes and asked, Yes? What was the song played at your christening? Your dedication at birth? I've researched your time and world, and I know that dedicating a child to the parental set of beliefs is of great importance. Yvonne's heart sank. She knew the song chosen by her parents was sacred and meant to help to protect her through her life. People researched their dedication songs for their children long before they even considered conceiving them. DeVock was a sworn senior agent of the orchestra— "'who could wield both jazz and classical influences, like a maestro. "'He had his instrument of choice in hand. "'Whatever he had in mind, it could be her undoing.' "'She looked to Jack. "'Agreed,' she heard herself say. "'Jack has to be allowed to leave first. "'Jack stared at Yvonne incredulously. "'She knew she was insulting him.' but her hope was that he would understand that his freedom was her only hope. He could prevent Devoc from leaving the building if it all went wrong. He could gather the team of agents outside of this room, who, together, had a far better chance of defeating him than she did alone. Yvonne stared back at Jack and tried to tell him all of this with her eyes. A lawful, structured song flowed from Devoc's violin. Mozart? No. Paganini, she thought to herself. The sound of swishing and straining of metal came from the floor, and the strings loosened around Jack's legs and feet. Jazz to command the attack, classical to command the retreat, Yvonne tried to convey to Jack. He looked from her to the obedient stringed serpent and nodded ever so slightly as if he understood. Aside from understanding, there was resentment in his eyes. The very thing he was afraid of and had compelled him to land on the roof before coming to the music school was now coming to fruition. Ivan just hoped that, once outside, he would realize he was far more help away from her than their present situation. Ivan took a deep breath and said, You're free now, Jack. I'm the lead agent, and I'll handle this. Go. Don't come back in here until this is finished. Her voice was stern, but her eyes pleaded with him. Get help. Get the others. I'll try to defuse this for as long as I can. Jack stared at her. I mean it, Jack. I can't protect you and Francoise. Now go. This is not what partners do, Yvonne, Jack spat. Yvonne clutched her green stone and sang a few measures of a Celtic song in Gaelic. Her heart was breaking. It was one way to say goodbye, though, and as she did so, she willed the door to open against the wall of entangled strings against the door. It creaked under protest. Jack stared at Ivan for a long minute. Then he turned to Devak. You know what I am. If anything should happen to her, I promise you. He paused to keep himself in check. He spoke again, solemnly, as if taking an oath. If you hurt her in any way, I will hunt you to the ends of time and space. He gave Ivan one last glance, and then he left. DeVock's bow hit the strings of his violin the minute Jack's foot crossed the threshold. The door slammed shut. Ivan bit the insides of her cheek to stop herself from getting emotional. Go, Jack, get the others may take every last one of us to stop him. Such devotion from a pupil! Hmm, Devok laughed. You must be a good teacher. He came back around from the safety of the desk and stood in front of Ivan. And now, the song. Ivan squared her shoulders. Ah, <sighs> Bridget's hymn. Devok's eyes flashed as if Light had hit the black pools of his lifeless eyes. Conjuring the protection of the Christians and the pagans, I see. I take it your dedication was on the feast day. Her parents had indeed chosen a saint's feast day that sat upon the ancient feast of Imbolc. It was a clever way of ensuring the protection from all of time and space. Ivan had never really given it much thought until now. Is that an official question or a mere observation, she asked. Her parents had died before she had the chance to ask them much about their choices for her life, her schooling, let alone her dedication. Okay, we'll play by the book. Official questions only, agreed De Bach. Why do you think there are so many people after the Rite of Spring? I'm not sure I understand the question, she admitted. I could speculate, but that would be all. "'Okay. How did you let this entire mission become so complicated?' he demanded. As Yvonne opened her mouth to answer, the boy continued to rant. "'This should have been easy. I arrived before you, the composition was nearly finished, then you and your motley crew show up here to make a complete mess. So I'm asking you, what do you have to say for yourself?' Yvonne wasn't sure what to say. While the field manual and training would have said to become docile and apologize, Yvonne couldn't bring herself to do it. Francoise flinched. She was fighting the hold de Vak had on her. Yvonne needed to work faster. If I had to guess, I imagine M. Wren said too much about the power he suspected the right of spring would have. He told the wrong people. Word got out. Yvonne hedged. As she kept weaving her suspicions into possibilities, it might buy Jack more time to form a plan with the others. Ren had a lot of wealthy friends and associates. With money comes power. But people in the world are always looking for more power. Madame Giblau was a friend to him, but also moved in similar circles of influence as part of her job for the orchestra. Spectral was also a very powerful friend to Ren. In the end, I suspect that Ria felt as if Madame Gimlain's love of music would inspire her to be the composition's greatest protector. She thought to herself, could I actually spin this to make him go looking for it elsewhere? Alas, they were both murdered in the name of the right of Spring. Vak shrugged. I wasn't responsible for Ren's death. In fact... His murder was very inconvenient for me, but I did kill Madame Fiblau. That old bat was devoted to the orchestra with her last breath. She wouldn't tell me anything. She just kept chanting her oath. She left me no choice. I killed her and took over her body. In disguise, I could lead you lot to do my dirty work. Who knew that field agents had become idiots since I pledged my allegiance to the orchestra? "'So it's been you all along.' "'We never met the real madame,' Ivan asked. "'Quite true,' Devot confirmed. "'And since she was the composition's greatest protector, "'then the only logical place for it to be is...' "'He spun on his heel and put his face a mere few inches from Ivan's. "'Here, in this office.' Yvonne could feel Françoise's desperation, fighting whatever enchantment de Vac had placed on her with waning strength. She searched her mind for another answer, but the truth was—the truth was all that was left. "'Yes,' she managed to say. He was so close now she could smell de Vac's sweat in the body of his teenage host, her stomach twisted as she watched his rage swell. François screamed as he pounded on his bow. His face became contorted with anger and laughter as he tortured her. "'Stop it!' screamed Yvonne. The room filled with the growing sickly song of de Vock's violin. The music grew louder and louder until the things on Madame Ghibla's desk began to shake. François fell to the floor as if released from his grip. "'If memory serves me, when I read your file, Yvonne, "'your last manuscript was hidden on your person.' "'Yes,' he shouted over the music, "'I think you and the Rites of Spring "'and one nice, neat package will do very nicely.' "'Oh!' Vox tune grew quicker. "'I promise it will hurt. "'Quite a lot, from what I can tell from the others "'whose bodies I've taken. "'But I'll save you the trouble of screaming.' I'll begin by taking those lovely, talented vocal cords of yours. Ivan protectively wrapped her hands around her throat and tightened her lips over her mouth. Her greenstone glowed more brightly than it ever had before in her life. Devak flinched in the light. In all of the missions prior to this, Yvonne had believed that she was all she needed. Now, she needed something that she had never believed in before. She needed... A miracle. Miracles come in all shapes and sizes, including a griffin. She had watched Jack stop people and shake objects in the physical world, but she'd never seen anyone or anything single-handedly manipulate time and reality. At least, that's what it felt like. Devox's death-filled harmonics collided with the shaking of all time and space as Jack thundered into the room. "'Breaking your promise just means I will have to take what I can as quickly as possible,' Vaux explained, as if unaffected by the griffin. Vaux's violin note seemed to bend and stretch as Yvonne felt her throat stretch and contract violently. She tasted blood and began to cough and choke. The agony traveled down her neck and into her chest. Her hands instinctively covered the rites of spring. She clung to it, desperate, with white-hot pain.' A tumbling streak of color collided with Devox's bow. Pits packed at his knuckles and hands. Yet the fierce bird couldn't draw blood. A counter song seemed to block the penetrating vibrations of Devok's deadly melody. Lily, the maestro, and staccato in three-part harmony held Devok's death curse at bay. The two opposing, deafening displays of sound reached their capitulation as the walls and floor shook violently. Do you know why the most powerful people in all realities are rarely ever seen? Devok shouted. The jazz they possess is too great for the average commoner to comprehend. To be truly powerful is not to control the elements, but to become them. If everyone succumbed to the forces of jazz without rules or boundaries, all of reality would become undone, Jack shouted. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Jack laughed hysterically. With a wild deviation of his bow, the roof of the building began to tear away from the walls of the school. DeVox's physical body began to vibrate so quickly that from second to second, it seemed as if he had many faces, then one, then three, then one again. Yvonne felt her body writhe, but she couldn't stop. The rites of spring would never be DeVox. No matter the sacrifice, she wouldn't let him have it. She summoned the air to her lungs, she summoned her will, and she welcomed the one and only memory of her mother singing to her as they walked down a field as green as the stone around her neck. She held on to that song and with every ounce of remaining strength she joined her past and her present and sang. The stones of the earth, the wind of the air, and the fire in her pain, her entire being called to them. A tornado of thundering wind tore the violin from Dvok's iron grip. The stones of the old school welcomed her invitation to retaliate against the entity that dared to tear apart the place that had been their stronghold for nearly a century. They pummeled Vac, scraping and beating the stolen body of the ancient maestro. Finally, the fire, who had patiently waited in turn, for the wind and the earth to take its turn, come to the forefront. What had remained of the stolen human form was melted away, revealing Devok's pure existence, a high-pitched, ever-moving ball of sound and energy, form and recklessness, jazz and classical. Yvonne thought to herself, that's all that's left of the once great conductor. He's just been jumping from time to time, reality to reality, stealing bodies to acquire more life and more power over time. A metallic voice, almost as if made from stringed instruments, filled the room. My revenge will be your death, Yvonne. The mere spoken word from the voice threw Madame Guiblin's desk across the room. Never, ever had Yvonne used her gift to completely destroy anything. Her heart was pounding, her strength was leaving, and the fire begged for one final nod. It went against her moral code. She couldn't possibly kill another member of the orchestra. But to fail to do so is to kill us all, she heard herself say. One final word from her past, in the present, to save the future. Sruithren. The fire, in all of its beautiful destruction, erupted with freedom, and Vak was consumed. This episode was brought to you by Michigan Conservatory. Michigan Conservatory offers lessons in piano, strings, and preschool music. No matter where you are in the world, we offer online lessons through Skype, FaceTime, or Facebook Messenger. Go to michiganconservatory.com. If you enjoyed this chapter, visit my webpage mmjenee.wordpress.com, or go to my author page on Facebook and join the M.M. Reader Society group. There you can share your own music compositions, talk about adventures of Jack and Yvonne, or send a message to staccato and legato. A special thanks to Comproon Services UK and sound engineer Steve Nutt for our sound editing Theme music was by Michelle Rogers.